Well, I'd invite you to grab a seat. Kim and the band will be back a little bit later. Whoa, that's me, that's me, sorry. Thanks, Josh. I don't know, if, uh, if you're anything like me, then often uh, your day can start out with some really, really great intentions, and then YouTube happens. And you just think to yourself, I'm just gonna have a five minute break on YouTube, and then you wake up from a coma 30 minutes later and you're watching something and you're not sure how you're watching it and you don't know what possible related videos you could have been clicking through to get there. And this happened to me probably about two weeks ago where I started off innocently enough. I was like, you know what, it's lunchtime, I'm kind of zonked, I'll just go to YouTube to reset. And I started watching soccer highlights from one of the local leagues around Brisbane and then kind of 30 minutes later I woke up and I don't know what I was watching, but I was watching videos that have everything to do with target fixation. Now, don't worry. If you're like me and, uh, and you haven't plunged the depths of YouTube and clicked on related videos until you get to target fixation, let me tell you what target fixation videos are. So target fixation is this phenomenon that you would have experienced if you drive a car. In fact, you might not even know you've experienced if you, if you drive a car, but when you were learning to drive, maybe your learner driver said something like, look where you want to go. Let your eyes steer you. Make sure your eyes follow. If you're going around a corner, look around the corner and your eyes and your hands will naturally steer the car in that direction. And so that's the good thing of target fixation because you need to look where you're going. But the bad thing of target fixation usually happens to motorcyclists. And so the, what, what happens on target fixation on the, on the negative end is something happens on the road and the motorcyclist sees a pole and they think to themselves, miss the pole, miss the pole, miss the pole, miss the pole, except their eyes are looking at the pole and so they end up hitting the pole. Or the traffic stopping, miss the car, 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 ramming back into, into the back of a car. And one of our comms team was like, well, you should just play a video of target fixation. Literally, it's just people crashing for 20 minutes. If you want to see what target fixation is, just YouTube it. And I promise... This will make sense in a minute, because this is one of the most random things for someone to get up in front of a group of people and start talking about, I get that. Um, but my name is Chris, and uh, if you're joining us just for the first time tonight, we're finishing off, as Josh and Emma said, a series that we've been doing called Moving Forward. And really, we had one big idea, one big goal that we wanted to have with this series. We wanted to help you put the past in the past, so you can move forward. That's been our goal for this entire series, to help you deal with some of those things that are in your past that prevent you from moving forward. <clears throat> and so throughout this series, we looked, at, we looked at what it actually is that prevents us from moving forward in the first part, and then we gave four, well, tonight will be the fourth of four applications to help you begin to put that past and leave it in the past. And so in part one, we said that if you want to move past your past, first of all, you need to address it. Because you can't move past something you want to address. So to move forward, you've got to address your past. Then in part two, we said, now here's the practical stuff. You need to release it. In order to move forward, you need to release your past so that your past can release you. You need to quit holding on to your past because after a while, if you keep holding on to it, if you hold on to it long enough, it will start to hold on to you. And so you need to let go of it. And then... Josh talked about this. Josh said the next big application is you need to own it. And if you were here, we kind of put a little circle up on, on the screen and we said that, that the circle represents your entire past. And there is a portion of your past that you need to begin to own. And we actually said that confession is the first part of a process. It's not all of it, but it's the first part of a process 
that leads to a change in lifestyle and behavior. And when you begin to own it, you begin to confess. And then last week I was up here and I talked about this idea that the second part of owning it is actually confessing it. Because what we said is moving forward requires genuine change. You really need to genuinely change in order to move forward, but it's genuine confession that leads to genuine change. And if, if that's kind of you're like, oh, I'm not really sure, like, uh, maybe or you're interested about how all this fits together, then you can jump onto our iTunes, you can jump onto our SoundCloud, and you can piece all of this together. But tonight, what, what I want to do is I want to tie this series together by giving you the one big application, because all these applications are important, but they're building, and they've been building towards this one application for tonight that will help you once and for all begin to put your past in your past and move forward. And it centers around this idea of target fixation. Because really when you distill it down, all target fixation is what you focus on is what you will move towards. And you've experienced this in your life whether you realize it or not. Did you ever start uni semester or school? And you got the, the sheet and you knew that in, at, in week 10 you had an assignment due. And you didn't have time to do it all in weeks 1 to 9. But in the 24 hours before this assignment was due in week 10, somehow you managed in your caffeine craze state to smash that assignment out. And the reason was not because you didn't know you had the assignment, it's because for the previous 9 weeks you weren't focusing on it. But the second you started to focus on it, you began to move towards completing it. Now, we do the same things in all areas of our lives. You know, you've got that holiday coming, you know, and then it becomes the night before, and you're like, I should really pack. And then it's the morning, I'll be like, I should really pack. Everyone else is packed, they're getting in the car, you're like, okay, now I I've, now I've, guess I'm packed. Whatever I'm wearing, I'm taking. Like, what you focus on is what you move towards. It's the same at work as well. You know, you have a project you have to get due, and all of a sudden, things keep popping up. Until your boss says, hey, where's that project? It was, it's due in a week, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, I'm on it now. The saddest, maybe you've, some of you have experienced this, that, that you kept putting off seeing your grandparents, or you kept putting off seeing your parents, and then all of a sudden you got a call one day, and it wasn't the call that you wanted, and they were sick. And all of a sudden, these excuses that were in the way moved out of the way, because your focus changed. And so you started to move towards spending time with those people who in the past you, you just didn't have time for. And so tonight, this is, this is around the idea of what we're, we're going to be talking about, but I don't, I don't want to keep it a mystery. I want to put it up in big neon lights. So if something I say offends you, which there is a chance it will, and you need to leave early or you need to get out of here, then you can know exactly where we're going and exactly what the big idea is. Because tonight the big idea that I want to talk about is this. If you want to finally put your past one in the past once and for all and move forward, you need to shift it. See, to put your past in the past once and for all, you need to set your focus forward. You need to set your focus into the future, not on the past. Now, I know you're smart. And I know that every single person in this room is sitting here, and you're like, yeah, well, okay, well, that was pretty obvious, Chris. No one's sitting here being like, oh my goodness, this guy's like the next Oprah Winfrey. Because, because you know this, right? In fact, you've probably even given people this advice. Or maybe, maybe this advice has been given to you. The last time you went through a major breakup, 
the last time maybe you journeyed with someone through a major breakup, chances are you gave them or you heard this advice. Girls, girls, when you're talking to your friends and they've just gone through a breakup, what do you, what do you say? Girl, forget him. Girl, we're moving forward. I don't know why. I don't know why. Every time I try to do it, I just turn into this like African-American woman. I don't know why. I apologize. I'm neither of those things. But, but you, know, you know what I mean? You, you say, move forward. You, you, you're trying to tell them, put your fo- fu- uh, focus forward. Fellas, we do the same thing, right? You know, when, when, when your mate's like, oh, mate, don't worry, there's plenty of fish in the sea. Don't worry, there's plenty of other girls out there. There's a girl who would be lucky to have you. And what we're really saying is you need to set your focus forward. And the problem is not that we, not that we don't know what we need to do. The problem is applying this because this is really easy to hear. And this is really easy advice to give. But when you're in the middle of that emotional turmoil, when your past keeps coming up, when those feelings keep resurfacing over and over and over again, in the middle of it, the question is, how? How do I put my focus forward? How do I move forward? How do I actually do this? Because this is difficult. And I kind of want to go back to my past because it, it was nice and it, and it was easy. And, and I know moving forward is the right thing to do, but it's hard. And so tonight, what I want to do is I want to introduce you. Maybe some of you already know this person, but I, for those of you who don't, I want to introduce you to a person who actually had to go through this process themselves. I want to introduce you to a person, his name is Saul. And Saul actually had to go through a process where his past and what he had done in his past made it incredibly, incredibly difficult for him to move forward in his life. And he went through this struggle when he was sitting there and he goes, I know what I've got to do, I'm just not sure how to do it. And he wrote about it. And we're going to explore what he talks about, about how to do it once and for all. But, but before, before we get to that part, before we get to the application part, you need to know a little bit about Saul. Because if you don't know anything about Saul, you need to kind of go on his journey with him. See, Saul was born in the year five. In the year five, Saul, uh, around the year five, Saul lived in this city called Tarsus. Uh, and if that means nothing to you, don't worry. It's a city in modern-day Turkey, um, if, you're, if you're a geography buff. And Saul grew up in this town called Tarsus. And Tarsus was interesting because it was kind of a place where all philosophers and poets and writers would, would retire. Whenever anyone in the 5th century said, hey, where are we going to retire and play Scrabble and Bingo? It was Tarsus. And so Saul grew up sitting around tables, listening to his grandparents, listening to all these great thinkers talk uh, about the philosophy of the day and talk about the writings of the day. And Paul had a thirst for knowledge. And this thirst for knowledge, Paul was, Paul was a very driven young boy. And Paul decided, hey, I want to become the best. I want to become the smartest person that I can possibly become. So Paul sought out a guy called Gamaliel. And Gamaliel was the number one rabbi, the number one teacher in all of Israel. If you're a Jew living in this area, which you would have been if you were living in this area, if you were to study under Gamaliel, that was like every young boy's dream. And so at a very young age, Paul went to study under Gamaliel. And Gamaliel was his teacher. He was a very strict Jew. He observed all the, all the rules, all the laws that the Jews observed, and he made sure that his disciples, his pupils, did the same thing. And around the time that this is happening, there's this guy that maybe some of you have heard about called Jesus cruising around. 
And Jesus is causing a little bit of a stir. Because Jesus is going around Jerusalem and, and around Nazareth and around that area, and he's performing miracles. And he's healing the sick. And he's really making some church people really annoyed. He's really annoying these Jewish people a lot. Because Jesus is saying, hey, you know all the scriptures that you guys teach about? The things that you know, Gamaliel teaches you? Well, I'm the dude that it's talking about. That's me. And Jesus spoke, so, like, uh, offended the Jewish leaders so much, and we'll get to why he did that in a second, but Jesus offended these Jewish leaders so much that eventually they executed him on a cross alongside two criminals. And that should have been the end of it. But then three days later, these whispers started to float around that, hey, people are starting to see that Jesus guy again. People are saying that they've talked with him. People are saying that they've eaten with him. 500 people said that, that he'd come and hang, uh, hung out with them at one time. And overnight, overnight, the Jesus movement grew from a couple of hundred scared people to thousands, just like that. And it was a movement that was characterized by one word, and the word was love. Love for God and love for others. Love for God and love for others. That's what this Jesus movement was known about. And we're sitting here and we're thinking, oh, that's, you know, kind of a shame that that Jesus guy had to die, but like, what, what, like where is Paul going to jump in into this story? Well, sorry, Saul. Where is Saul going to jump in to this story? Because what, what would the Jewish leaders possibly have to lose? And see, what we often miss is we live in a culture where church and state are separated. In the 21st century Australia, church and state are separated. Not so in first century Palestine. Church and state were the same thing. So if you began to twist the power of the Jewish leaders, there was a possibility that they may lose power to this little sect, this little knockoff Jewish cult, they used to call it, the Christians. And so they wanted to reassert their power. So they began to persecute the Christians. They began to put the Christians through a whole heap of torture, they would kill them. And in fact, the historian Luke, the historian Luke, where Saul's going to jump back into this story, is that the historian Luke records the first ever time in history that a Christian was killed. Now, a Christian, Christians may have been killed before this point, we don't know. This is just the first record we have of a Christian being killed for their faith. And I want you to see it. His accusers, so Stephen was, was his name, so Stephen's accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. He pops up again. And this is what Saul does. Saul was one of the witnesses and agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. But Saul's part in the Jesus movement doesn't stop there because what we find out about Saul is that Saul was going everywhere to destroy. Not just stop it, not just say, hey, could you guys stop? He was really to destroy the church. And he went from house to house, dragging out both men and, men and women to throw them in prison and then, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. The Bible is fascinating. If you've never read it, you should just read it because there's stuff like this in it. This guy called Saul was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Saul's going around and he's staring at people. He's like, just dare me. Come on, I dare you to say something because I'm ready to go. I'm ready to destroy this Jesus movement. It is an abomination to what I believe. And what we find out about Saul is 
Saul was on a mission and he was in Jerusalem, but, but he's a type A personality, so Jerusalem just wasn't quite doing it for him. So he went to the high priest and he said, what I need is I want a letter addressed to the synagogues in Damascus and I want you to ask for their cooperation to arrest followers of the way, that's another name for followers of Jesus, who I find there. And when I find them, this is what I want to do. I want to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. I want to continue to kill them and I want to continue to put them in jail as well. And so the high priest gives Saul this letter. And Saul sets out on this road from Jerusalem to Damascus with his killing squad. And he arrives at Damascus, eventually. But no Christians are thrown in jail. No Christians are killed. In fact, no more Christians are ever killed by Saul's hand. And the reason is because on the way to Damascus, Saul had an encounter that radically, radically changed his And if you're skeptical about the whole God thing, if you've got questions here tonight, if you were in Saul's shoes, what would it take to change your mind? And for Saul, what it took was Jesus appearing to him on the road to Damascus. Saying, Saul, what's going on? Seem a little angry. We should talk about this. And this is more than that, because on the day that Jesus appeared to Saul, And Saul saw a dead man, alive again. This is what Jesus says about Saul. And if you've been a a follower of Jesus for a while, I do not want you to miss this. Because this is what Jesus says about Saul. Saul is my chosen. I picked him. I could have had anyone I want, but I chose Saul. And I didn't choose him to condemn him. I didn't choose him to judge him. I didn't choose him to get angry at him. This is what I chose him for. He is my chosen instrument to take my message. Saul, the Christian killer, I've picked him and I want him to go and tell everyone about my love, about my grace, about the fact that I came and died on the cross for all of humanity. And I want him to take it to the Gentiles. I want him to take it to the kings as well as all the people of Israel. I want him to go back to Gamaliel. And I want Saul to tell his teacher about me. Just let that, just let that sink in for a minute if, if, if you're a follower of Jesus. Jesus steps into history, could have picked anyone he wanted. He already had 12 boys. But he said, you know what? I want to choose Saul. I want to choose the guy who is bent on destroying the church and I want to use him to build the church. In fact, this was such a life-changing moment for Saul that Saul ended up changing his name to Paul. And, And often we kind of think, oh, well, that's cool and that's where we leave the story. But this was incredibly, incredibly difficult for Saul slash Paul. We'll just call him Paul from now on. This was incredibly difficult for Paul. I don't know if you could imagine what it would be like, but, but imagine you rock up into a, into a Jesus community and be like, hi, I'm here to tell you about Jesus. And everyone's like, no, you're here to kill us. You're here to trick us. This is not going to be good for us. Paul had such difficulty earning the trust of followers of Jesus. This was something that stayed with him throughout his entire life. People kept bringing up his past over and over and over and over again. Paul actually went into a time of seclusion and isolated himself from everyone to work through his past before he began to go out and start all these Jesus, little Jesus gatherings around the Mediterranean Rim. And Paul even writes about this, his past. He says, it never left me. 
In some of the letters he writes to the church, he goes, there's this thing called a thorn in my flesh and they, it, it just keeps reminding me of my past and I keep, keep being pulled back. My focus keeps being brought back to my past and I can't put my focus forward and I have so much trouble. But I know I need to move forward. And Paul, if you don't know much about the Bible, we're glad you're here. And in the second part of the Bible, it's kind of divided into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in the New Testament part, the New Testament is comprised of 27 documents, letters, um, some of them are letters, uh, some of them are biographies, but Paul actually comprises 13 of the 27 letters. In fact, Paul is the most influential person in the New Testament, apart from Jesus. The very reason that you're in a church tonight is because the ripples of Paul's life has, have moved throughout history. And now we have the opportunity. We are the byproduct of a Christian killer that Jesus chose to build his church. And so Paul talks very candidly about how to move forward. And in a letter he wrote to a church in Philippi, he says, this is how you do it. He says, now, dear brothers and sisters, if you want to leave it in the past once and for all, um, I want you to know I have not achieved it. In other words, I haven't got there. It's a process you've got to move through. It's something you have to keep coming back to. But I focus on one thing. And the one thing I focus on is this. Forgetting the past, that sounds easy, but we'll explain what that is in a second. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Now, Paul doesn't mean when he says forgetting the past that you just, you just kind of uh, suck it up and keep moving forward and you pretend that that never happened. What Paul is saying is imagine you're running a race and in a race you know where the finish line is. And if you want to run that race to the best of your ability, you cannot run that race to the best of your ability continually looking back because you will trip over and you will fall. You can't even run that race to the best of your ability looking to the sides and being worried about where everyone else is. The only way you can run the race of your life is by looking into the future, is by fixing your gaze forward. And Paul goes on, he says, I press on. In other words, Paul says, this is not easy, this is not fun sometimes, but it's what I have to do. And the reason I do it, the reason I continually focus and pull my gaze from the past to the future is to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. What Paul is getting at is on that day, on that day when I was on the road to Damascus and I met Jesus face to face, all of a sudden I realized that there's more to this life than just this life. And because there's more to this life than just this life, I'm going to focus on what's most important. And what's most important is the end. What's most important is the future. What's most important is eternity. And so I'm going to move into the future, not focusing backwards because I can't change that and I can't do anything about it, but I'm going to continue to focus my, uh, have my focus forward. And if you're anything like me, you're a really practical person. You think, Paul, that's really great, but you sound a lot like a motivational speaker. You've just told me to press on and forget my past. How? How do I do that? And in another one of his letters, Paul actually details the three ways you can do that. And I'm going to put it up, I'm going to read them first, and then I'm going to explain them a little bit. And then I'm going to give you these three application points for this week. Two of them will, all three of them apply to you if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian or you're not a follower of Jesus, you wouldn't consider yourself one. 
only one of them applies to you. You can, you can pick and choose what you do with the last two. And the reason we're driving towards this application is simply this. Information won't change your life. Applied information will, though. And so we want to help you apply the information we've been talking about. And this is what Paul says. He says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances. So those are, those are three things. Now let me explain it. When he says, always be joyful, he's not saying be happy all the time. Because no one is happy all the time. In fact, Paul wasn't happy a lot of the time. Paul was in prison for most of his life. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was beaten up. Paul didn't necessarily have a happy life, but Paul said, always be joyful. What he's saying here is, remember the times that God has come through for you in the past. Remember the times when God has showed up in your life in the past. And because of that, be joyful. Because you know that because God has showed up in your past, God's going to continue to show up in your present and he'll show up in your future again. And you can be joyful because of that. And then he goes on, he says, never stop praying. And if you think praying is this weird word that church people use, really it's never stop the conversation with God. If you have a dialogue with God going, continue that conversation all the time. You would be amazed at the number of people that I, that I talk to uh, in, in the role that I do who are Christians and, and they're going through an, an issue and they go, well, it's, this, this really sucks, but at least the best thing is I'm praying again. Because we, we forget to pray when things are good. And Paul goes, if you, if you want to keep your focus forward, you need to continue that, relationship, uh, continue that conversation with God all the time. And the final thing is this, he goes, be thankful in all circumstances. Be thankful in all circumstances. And I know this is difficult. Because so often it seems hard to be thankful. And the reason it's so hard to be thankful is because we look at all the things we don't have. We make ourselves unhappy. But Paul's saying, if you really want to put your focus on the future, focus on what you do have. If you want to look at a really easy one right now that every single person in this room can be thankful for, we live in a first world country. And we overlook that. That is something to be so thankful for in every circumstance. And so the big application this week is simply this, to shift your focus forward. And I know that might sound too easy. And maybe some of you are like, yeah, no, I need, I, I need more practice. I need you to get more practical for me, Chris. That's okay. I get that. So here are three ways to do those three things. The first one, if you're a follower of Jesus and you want to know how to always be joyful, this week I want you to write down three times where God has come through for you in the past. And then I want you to hold onto that piece of paper or save that message in your phone and all that note. And whenever you're finding it hard to be joyful, I want you to go back to that. And I want you to remind yourself of the times that God has come through for you in your past. The second way is I want you to begin. If you've never started talking to God, well, tonight's a great opportunity to start that. And if you don't know how to pray, it's really simple. You can just start like this. God, I've got no idea what I'm doing, but I'd like to move forward. It's that simple. Or maybe you've been coming to church for a while and you've stopped that conversation. I want you to continue it. I want you to pick it back up again. I don't want you to confine it to five minutes in the morning and five minutes at night. I want it to be a dialogue that happens through your day where you're just talking to God about everything that's going on in your day. Don't necessarily do it if you're out in public and you're walking past people. That, they'll think you're weird. But you know, you know what I'm saying. If you're in the car, if you're walking along. And then the third thing is this. 
I want you to write down three things this week that you have to be thankful for. What are three things in your life that you have to be thankful for? And Paul says when you do these three things, when you begin to incorporate these into your mind, when you begin to shift your focus from the past to the future, this is what happens. This is actually God's will for those of you who belong to Jesus, to Christ Jesus. See, this is where the rubber hits the road for Christianity. This is the separator for Christianity and every other single world religion. Krishna never said he was God. Buddha never said he was God. Muhammad never said he was God. Jesus entered into history and said, not only am I God, but I'm God in human form, which means I feel all the same things that you feel. I experience all the same things that you experience. I have gone through betrayal. I have gone through rejection. I have gone through this whole having a past thing. This is where the rubber hits the road for Christianity because Paul experienced it, and this is what Paul teaches. Paul actually says that when it comes to Christianity, Jesus actually steps into history and not just dies for our sins, but he puts his hands into the bucket of our past. And he doesn't just say, don't worry, I've got it covered. Paul actually says that Jesus becomes our past. Jesus not only takes on our past, but he becomes our past. And the reason he does it is so that we can move forward. Because Christianity is different from every other world religion, because every other world religion says, climb up here to God, and Christianity says, God says, I'll come down to you, and I'll restore that relationship. And the reason this is so important is because you know that when you go home at night, and when the lights are out and finally put your phone away after checking Facebook for the last time, and it is dark in the room and you are staring at the ceiling. You can read all the self-help books you want. But you and I both know that when we're alone and when we're real with ourselves, you don't need a self-help guru to tell you what to do. What you need is a saviour. What you need is a saviour like the saviour Paul had. What you need is Jesus to come along and say, you know what, your past doesn't have to define you. And the reason that you don't have to focus on your past and you can shift your focus forward is because I've taken care of it. And I've taken care of it because I love you, not because I want anything from you. So as we wrap up, I just, I just want to dare you tonight. If you haven't done any of those three things, if maybe you've forgotten maybe to write down those things, what you're thankful for, maybe to begin that conversation or to talk about where, where God showed up in your past. But if you're here tonight, Maybe it's time for you to just step out in faith and say, you know what, I've been trying to move forward for a long, long time. And I've been trying to take that step for a long, long time, but something keeps holding me back. And maybe tonight is the night that you say, you know what, it's time to place my trust in a saviour who wipes my past clean. And if you thought your past was too dirty, just remember Saul's past. And just remember when Jesus came eyeball to eyeball with him, he says, Saul, you're the one I've picked. And when Jesus meets you face to face, he says the exact same thing. He said, you're the one I've picked and I've been waiting. So move past your past and step in to your future. I'd love to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that, that we don't follow a self-help guru. That, that while your teachings will change our lives, they'll change our lives 
in more ways than one. Because at the end of the day, you're the saviour who takes our past, who takes away those things we struggle with and you can say, because of what I've done on the cross, you can have a future. Because of what I've done, you can step into your future, not looking back at your past, but having your future focused forward. And Lord, I pray here tonight for people who are, who are contemplating or people who are, who are unsure about this whole thing or maybe for them tonight, they're sitting there and you're like, you know what, this is the night. Tonight's the night that I make a decision, that I change the trajectory of my life by beginning a relationship with Jesus, by beginning to put my faith, not in a self-help guru, but in a saviour who claimed my past for me. And Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.